Hi, welcome to Igniting Ecstasy in Business. I'm your host and master coach, Alex Persclub, and I'm going to be diving into what it takes to create more success and abundance in your business while living with more joy, excitement, and passion on the journey. This is not your typical business podcast. This is a judgment-free space where we're willing to put all the growth topics on the table, and we're not afraid to address the uncomfortable or to share raw behind-the-scenes stories to support your expansion. So tune in for inspiration, strategies, reflection questions, and interviews with world-class guests to help you elevate your business, unleash the power of your full expression, and to infuse more ecstasy into your day-to-day life. Because you deserve to live a life that lights you up inside. And there's no better time to start than right now. Hello, everybody. I am very thrilled to be here today for this episode of Igniting Ecstasy in Business because I am joined by not only someone who has become a good friend, even though we've only known each other a few months, but uh, I have Beth Nidick with me. And Beth, I've just so enjoyed getting to know you, and I'm thrilled that you are here joining us on Igniting Ecstasy in Business, because I know you just have so much incredible wisdom and knowledge and experience to share. So thank you, Beth, for being here today. Oh my God. You know, Alex, I adore you, and I can't wait to have this conversation. I, you know, I've been I've been looking forward to it. I think not only is it an important conversation, but it's so revealing not only for our listeners, but also for ourselves. Mm, mm, well said. Well, before we get into that conversation, for the listeners, let me share just a little bit about your background so everyone understands who you are, Beth. Uh, so Beth is the founder of The Fame Formula. She knows a thing or two about getting in the spotlight. She helps entrepreneurs scale their businesses and confidently appear in TV and media to increase visibility for their brand. So Beth and her clients, they've been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, the Drew Barrymore Show, the, the Drew Barrymore Show, Fast Company, Oprah, and more. And I find this so interesting. Beth is also the co-author of the top-rated cookbook, Clean Cocktails, Righteous Recipes for the Modern Mixologist. And with that, Beth, I didn't even prepare this question, but I just have to ask you, because I don't know that we've ever talked in detail about it. What did lead you to creating that cookbook, given everything else that you do? <laughs> well, I, like, you know, I, like everyone listening, probably I've done a bunch of different things. Um, and I was a bartender in college. And then when my kids were little, I started doing um, health and wellness. I was a health coach, started to a food blogger. Um, and then I was having a Cinco de Mayo party at my house. And I've always made cocktails that were low sugar or no sugar using whole ingredients because uh, my body doesn't do well with sugar. Mm-hmm. And I was literally standing in my living room. And my friends were being like, these are the best drinks. We love them. They were drinking all of them. And I and I said to myself, this is a cocktail book. Like that's it's where it came. And then the, the universe presented me people who could help me make that happen. I met my co-writer. She knew a, a, a New York Times bestselling author. She introduced us to an agent. We got a publishing deal and, we, and, and the book was done um, after I spent months and months um, tipsy because I was testing all the cocktails. <laughs> It really was born out of a, a good idea that I knew and I saw a niche in the marketplace that people weren't talking about. At that time, New York City cocktail bars were starting to kind of turn healthy, but it wasn't like now when you go into a bar, there's healthy options for cocktails. But back when I was writing it, there wasn't. And I saw this wave. And when you see a niche in the marketplace and you see an opportunity for you to create something that can make an impact in the world, no matter if it's with your words, with a program or with a cocktail book, people like us need to do it. So I did. I love that. Oh, <laughs> I love that. What year was that 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 book came out? It came out December 17, but I'm proud to say that it keeps getting reprinted. It just sells, you know, I do a lot 
of support, meaning impress on it. You know, I do a lot, I do a lot of, um, TV for it. Like I, my kids always say like, I, mom makes cocktails at nine o'clock in the morning on TV. So I support it that way. But even when I don't support it, the book just sells. It's a great gift book. I've met plenty of people that are like, oh my God, are you back from clean cocktails? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, my daughter gave me your book or I gave my daughter your book or that kind of stuff because it's just a universal book. And now with the movement towards zero alcohol cocktails and zero alcohol gins and tequilas, um, we have actually have a whole section in the book that is zero alcohol. And I'm leaning into that and doing a lot more TV around zero alcohol cocktails because I don't drink anymore. Hmm. My husband and I barely ever drink anymore either. Just in the last year or two, we've really found, and I'm sure part of it's getting into our late thirties now as well, but um, yeah, it just really slows you down and impacts being clear and feeling good. And anyway, we could, that's a whole other topic, go into that, but I, I love that. Would love to check out the the book. Would love oh, to. I'll send you a copy. Yeah. You a copy. yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it's one of the, I think that as entrepreneurs, we don't often talk about the other sides of what we've done or the other sides of our interests. Like we're so focused on really getting our message across to people that are in our audience without saying like, hey, but I'm also, a lot of us say mom or we say dog mom, but we don't say like, I'm a runner. I'm a cocktail connoisseur. I'm a, sh I love to cook paella. Like, I think that we're so tuned into like what our job is that we don't often allow that personal side of our personal brand come through and whoever's listening like this is permission to do that because those your people want to see all sides of you um I was sick earlier this month and I put out hey I'm not feeling well who's got some tips I've never gotten so much engagement on a post when I said hey I'm not feeling well versus any other post that I put out <laughs> wow I feel you on that I was actually just talking to someone the other day about how whenever I post about my personal life or even I posted about I'm not sure exactly when this podcast will drop, but currently my husband and I are in the process of moving to Austin and I posted about that and I couldn't believe the overwhelming response I got. It's always interesting that when I post about personal things or even unique random things or jujitsu or something with my daughter, yeah, people, people want to see the human side of you. It makes me think of, well, we're not influencers, right? That influencer has that bad connotation and influencers are all about just sharing their everyday life. So I think we pull back from that. But I do often tell my clients who are having trouble sharing on social media, I'm like, just do a video of you making coffee and then do a voiceover later. You know, pre prepping for my day, like people want to see those little pieces of us because if they are wanting to work with us, they're going to have to like us. And to like us, they have to get to know us. So if we're so on the space of like, I'm the expert, here's all my expertise versus like, here's what's actually going on in my life. And here's some vulnerability about myself. There's a, I think you would see a bump in sales <laughs> if if you're really allowing people to be like, I don't drink coffee. I like matcha in the morning and this is how I make my latte. Oh, this is so good. Beth, I feel like we're already getting into the good stuff. Before <laughs> we keep going down this topic and I have more questions for you. Share a little bit more with our audience about how you did then get it. We talked about your background with the cookbook. Share a little bit more about how you got into the TV, media, visibility space, PR, and how you're how you develop the fame formula. I really want to hear more about that as well. Well, to go back, like I was a TV uh, production in, in college. I was I came out of school. I worked at the Tonight Show. I worked for MTV. Like I was a TV producer um, before for a long time before I had kids. And then 
I used my TV prowess and my connections when I was in the food space to get on TV. I was on Dr. Oz. I did his show for two years. I was one of his bloggers. Like I've always used TV as a part of what I was doing. And, but I never thought that 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 was going to be my mainstay. Um, After the cocktail book came out, we had hired a PR professional um, and we spent a lot of money on her and got very little for it. And I was mad because I had never really worked on the, on that side, right? Not on, behind the camera but getting people in front of the camera and I was pissed and I was like we spent all this money we got nothing what are you talking about and then I just started like calling my old colleagues calling the phone numbers my old colleagues didn't work there anymore but people worked there and they answered the phone and I started a conversation with them and I was able to get our book a lot of press and then my friends started asking me for help hey can you meet me at the library on Sunday I could use your help And my friend April said to me like, oh my God, you helped me more than my $20,000 a month coach. And I was like, people charge $20,000 a month? Because she's a seven, she was a seven figure business owner at that time. And she was like, oh my God, Beth, you could be like doing this as a living. And I came home and told my husband, he was like, this is what you're doing. Because every time you talk about broccoli, you like want to like, you know, you want to do things about it. (laughs) Because I was like, I cannot talk to women about eating broccoli anymore. I'm going to go insane. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't filling me up. But I realized the conversations about business and the conversations about visibility and the conversations about publicity really filled me up. And again, Alex, I saw there was a niche in the marketplace. There were all these people teaching PR, but not teaching you how to make money from it and how to intentionally show up on a podcast like this and entice, educate, inform and empower and inspire people to pick up their phones while they're watching this podcast or while they're listening to this podcast and then going to follow me on Instagram Mm -hmm. and getting into my funnel and becoming clients. So many people I get, I heard you on this podcast. I want to talk to you. How do I get, how do I make an appointment with you? How do I buy your products? Because again, going back to being personal, I drink matcha lattes. I heard you like matcha lattes and I liked whatever you had to say. It's that piece of it. So my fame formula focuses on uh, focus authority, monetization, and exposure. And it's a system to consistently earn you media and with you having the understanding, the intent, how to make money from it. Mm. So let's go more into that. For people who are listening that are looking to not only increase their visibility and media or TV or articles, things like that, what would you say to them about what's most important for Actually, there's two aspects to this. I want to ask about the monetization and how you use that to actually help you grow your business. But actually, it feels like just to go in order that it would make sense to start with. What do you think is most important for actually being able to book more media and TV appearances? Standing for something. It really is. It's standing for something specific. Because oftentimes people will come to me, look, this is my message or this is what I'm about. I'm like, yeah, but what's underneath that? Because we're so, as entrepreneurs, and tuned into marketing. Marketing is about sales, about action, but media is about feeling. How am I going to make you feel? Um, are, am I going to make you feel like you can be in the room with me and you want to hang out with me? Am I going to make you feel like, hey, she scares me, but enough to make me want to do something? Because that's where most of my clients kind of live, is like, that's going to help me do those things that I'm scared of doing, right? Mm-hmm. So if I can stand for you taking big action. If I can stand for you to have a voice, you know, that's very surface level. What's underneath that? What's that special thing? I always say to my clients, what is that message in your gut 
that you have never told anybody, but you secretly think about all the time. Mm. That's what you should be telling the world instead of this thing that you think that everyone needs to hear because some messaging coach or some marketing person told you it was the right thing. Oh, I love that, Beth. You're really speaking to my heart right now. This is something I love to talk to my clients about is what is the message that's coming from your heart versus the head message, which is what you just said, right? About what the marketing coach says to you. Of course, there's the tips and tools for how to speak to your audience and meet them where they are. I do believe you need to speak in a language they can relate to. And I always believe that when you're coming from your heart and the message that really lights you up and fires you up, that that is what's going to be the most magnetic. That's what people are going to be drawn to. And I love what you said about standing for something because I do believe that when we are polarizing by standing for something, by having a belief, by putting out there, you know, what we think is most important, it's actually in service because it's going to draw the people to you who want that message and it's going to repel the people who don't and it's okay to repel people. And I know we have a lot of listeners on the podcast who are recovering people pleasers or approval seekers. I get it. I'm, I'm one myself. And so I know that can be activating sometimes or you can talk yourself out of taking a stand for something because you don't want to upset people, right? You don't want people to not like you. But I mean, would you agree with everything you just said that people not liking you actually helps you stand out in the marketplace <laughs> because it helps the people who do want your message be able to clearly hear you? Oh, it, exactly. Exactly what I said. Like if I, when I say I scare you enough to do the things that you're not doing on your own, those, those are my people that say though, oh, I want that. Those are my people. People that are scared of that, they're like, I don't want somebody to push me. I don't need that. That's not my person. So even everyone listening, they can self-identify if I'm their person or not. Because like you said, you're going to be attracted by the big message. Like I have a, a master class coming up. It's called Spotlight to Sold Out. That's going to bring in a lot of people. But then when they watch my stories, like my story yesterday, it was like, the reason you're not making money from the podcast is your fault. And I literally put my finger in the camera. It's your fault. It's not because of something else you did wrong. And if you don't think you can take my, I call it Jersey love because it is, it comes from love and I'm from Jersey. So I put it together. But like, if you can't take my brand of Jersey love, I'm not your person. And I want you to understand that before you waste your time with me, because you should go find somebody else that's your person. And right. that's what I mean, standing for something and, and standing for something in your personal power, which I don't really love because people like, it's a different connotation, but like when you really stand for it and it's really who you are at the core, then you attract the right people versus, I know you, you've probably had clients because I've had two, they're like, well, I have a lot of sales calls, but it's not the right people. I'm like, well, then you're saying the wrong thing and it's not your messaging. It's everything else you're saying. That's really, really good. Um, so now let's go a little bit more into you've booked the media, you're getting the increased visibility um, or being on stage or, or TV, oh, yeah. um, you know, you're getting those opportunities. So then what would you say from there? Obviously continuing to stand for something is important, but what else would you say? What do you walk your clients through in terms of how to monetize those opportunities? How do you actually use them to grow your business? Because I, I know a ton of women that will say, you know, I, I do the talks, I'm in the things, but you know, it's just kind of credibility building. It's not actually getting me any sales. And my flag always goes up when I hear that of like, oh, well, then there's probably something to look at there. So what would you say to those women? Well, I intentionally just did it. 
Because when I said, if you're not scared by me saying, I'm going to push you and you're my person, people listening are like, oh, I'm Beth's person. They probably already went to my Instagram. They probably went to my website already to check me out. So when you're having these conversations, it's kind of, it's not sub, what's the right word? It's not like subliminal, but it's you actually telling your people what they need to do to self-identify and to then go find you and what you're about. Because it's not, they have to like you. It's like, they have to like enough what you're saying to be inspired to go do that. So when you intentionally have that conversation or I'll put it differently. If you're on a podcast and you don't talk about what you offer till the end of the podcast, you did yourself and that podcaster a disservice because that podcaster, yes, has you on so that you are sharing that information to your audience. And then you're doing yourself a disservice because people might not be waiting till the end to listen to you because they're already done. But if you listen to a lot of my podcasts, I talk a lot to directly to the audience and I make my offers probably several times during conversation. But not, but not being like, well, if you want to work with me, you should go to my website. No, if you're my person, then you're going to hear the right words and you're going to hear what I'm about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it could be as simple as I like matcha lattes also. And, or it could be as simple as like, hey, I love that you have straight talk and you're from Jersey and you do it with love. Like, it doesn't matter. It's sharing those little things in between me telling the audience, this is available to you. This is what you could be doing. And I can be that person. Because if you're listening to a podcast or a stage or reading an article and you're not feeling like, oh my God, this person's the solution to all my problems, then they're, you're, it's not going to, right? You're not going to make the connection. You're not going to make the sale. You're not going to do whatever it is, but it's having that intentional conversation. Um, and the next, the last thing I'm going to say about it is I find that a lot of people go on podcasts and allow the podcaster to guide the conversation. Mm-hmm. So and giving your power away, talking about power again, giving your power away to that person, you know, if they have questions or they don't have questions, why are you not prepared with what you want to have talked about, what kind of questions you want to be asked and what you want to say on that podcast? It's like, um, if you show up to a podcast without a plan, it's like getting behind a, the drive, the uh, getting into a car without a driver's license. Mm. Oh, I like that analogy. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. That just came up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. And I love how you're actually demonstrating through your interview right now, as you shared about your formula and about the masterclass you have coming up and these different things. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and, and ask you this question. You know, as we prepared to get on the podcast today, I asked you if there was anything you wanted to make sure that we talked about. And you said, nope, let's just dig into it. And I'm curious is that because you knew that during this conversation, you would just take it where you wanted to go and, and share what you wanted to share and you already knew what you had planned? Um, or was there another reason why you didn't ask for specific questions? Um, well, I know you kind of well enough, to be honest. And I know what I was going to say. And the and to be completely transparent, um, I don't have offers coming up for the rest of this year. So if I had an offer for the rest of this year, then I would probably talk to you about the three top points of what those offer messaging is going to be. And I would ask you to talk about those points so that my offer makes sense throughout the conversation. But when you're just having a conversation, because a lot of podcasts are just conversations, like we'll see where it goes, but I know in my head, the four things that I'm going to say, it's like the four stories that you know, or the four pillars of your marketing. Like what are those things? Because if you listen to a lot of my podcasts, I say the same thing on purpose. Right. 
Yeah. You should be doing that too, right? Anyone listening that's on podcast often, if you're not telling the same things over and over again, you're missing out on your clients really understanding who you are because maybe they've heard my Dr. Oz story once or twice. But when I'm on a, when I'm doing a a masterclass and I'd say the Dr. Oz story and in the comments are like, I love the Dr. Oz story. Tell that story again. I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. And that's a piece of it as as well Is like those people need to hear those stories over and over again. And they love hearing those stories versus an entrepreneur being like, well, I told that story twice already. I'm like, can you tell it 42 more times, please? That is such a good point. I know that's something I will have come up sometimes when I'm doing podcasts or interviews of thinking, oh, I just talk about this all the time. You know, I've told the story about getting a tumor in my pancreas when I was 24. I don't even know. I can't even count how many times I've told that story. So this is affirming as you're saying that, oh, but there's a reason. I share that story because one, not everyone's listening to every single interview that I do, right? So sometimes we can forget that, right? We're closer to our story than anyone else in the audience and they're following a lot of other people. So they have to hear things multiple times. What is that stat? I I don't want to be quoted on this, but it's something like you have to hear something or see something seven to nine times before you actually take an action on it. So the same would go for hearing someone's stories and hearing, um, you know, the people sharing on video or verbally about what they do. I would imagine you have to hear things multiple times before you take action as well. Do you know anything? A thousand percent. Yeah. I think it's seven as well. Like remember clubhouse. I don't know if you were a big clubhouse person, but I I never got really into it, but I definitely remember the wave of it. Oh, I was in clubhouse. I did a call every like 11 o'clock every Friday morning. And I coined this frame Jersey love. And within three months, people were asking me for Jersey love. They're like, can you just give me Jersey? Not coach me. Can you give me some of your Jersey love? Because I said it over and over and over again. And that's the same way. Like I want everyone listening to think about like what there's my, I have the fame formula. What's the system that you have? Like what's the name of it? And what's the catchphrase? Like we're all kind of entertainers, right? We're, and you and I have talked about like we were actresses when we were little, like, and I think it comes from that. Like what's the catchphrase so that when you show up, people know what you're about. Hmm. And, and instead of like telling, not instead of, but in addition to telling your stories and your advice, it's like, but most people walking away from this call will probably remember she makes people scared of doing and helps them do the things that are scary. And she's got lots of love and she's from Jersey. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're going to remember more how you made them feel, how you inspired them, how you illuminated something or motivated them more than all the specific strategic details. Yeah. Like unless they're taking notes, which I don't know, like I'm not a note podcast listener, but maybe people are, that's just not me. But unless you're taking notes or, you know, you're, you're listening to a marketing podcast for very specific hacks or tips, media is about feeling, right? How does a TV show make you feel? How does an interview make you feel? How does that inspiration you know you just did a big talk like how did that talk make the audience feel that's where you get the bump from media Mm, that is so good I really like how you explained that Um, because yeah I've always thought of podcasts especially and same with I think like the kind of speaking event I did that was a 10-minute story not a you know in-person conference workshop which I think that's more strategic note-taking but um you know podcasts or tv appearances or um, stage performances I always see them as 75% entertainment and 25% informational is how I've kind of explained it to clients or to myself. And so I love how you talked about it being about the feeling. It's about evoking feelings in people. Yeah. Well, I'm also like a Pisces and a middle child. Okay. My whole life's been about about feeling and expression. 
child syndrome over here you know hello i'm over here kind of what you know if i'm gonna make you feel something you'll remember me mm. yeah that's really good so i have another now this is a more strategic question maybe for you but you've just got so much great wisdom and expertise <laughs> to share so i want the listeners to hear for people who are looking to to increase their visibility in a way that's going to support their business growth what would you recommend in terms of how to go about finding the aligned media or the best media. So there's so many different options out there. So what would you say is important to, for selecting the kind of media that's going to be strategic for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is ask your audience, ask your ideal clients. Like, what are you reading, listening, watching? Because if they're reading, listening, watching something, so will other people who are your ideal clients, right? I think we're, we get wrapped up in like, oh, that's a big podcast or the, that's, you know, that's the, the the guru that I've always wanted to be on her podcast for. And, you know, I've always loved Alex. I want to be on her podcast. But what is that actually doing for your business, right? S some of the bigger platforms give credibility, but only if it gives credibility to your people. Do they care that you are featured by a, by a columnist in Forbes magazine? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, do, do my people care that they're that I'm on this website? They do. Right? Do they care that I'm on some that I'm on Entrepreneur on Fire? Probably not, because they don't put that much credence in which podcast I'm on. They put they put more weight in what I'm saying, mm -hmm. right? Because my people don't care who I'm friends with; they care what I do for them. So one of the first thing I do with my clients is like, let's survey your audience and and anyone listening, put it on your on your story, make a poll, or, or you know, ask a question. What do you list? What podcast are you listening to? And I think the other side of that is like, why don't you tell your audience what you're doing? Hey, audience, I'm going to do more media for my business. I want to take you along on the ride with me. I'm so excited about it. But I love your recommendations. Like, where do you think I should show up? Instead of us trying to figure it out, ask the people who already have invested in you and are your people to help you figure it out. Um, and the other side of that is like, I also want you to be on every podcast you can be on. So call all your friends, any one of your friends that has it, because I want you to practice and I want you to make connections and I want you to be able to, to show up on this podcast, even if you have COVID and you're sick or you haven't slept last night because your toddler kept you awake all night and still be able to tell your stories and have the conversation and not get wrapped up in the, well, I need a Forbes article or I need a this or I need a that. You don't unless your audience is going to care. So it's almost like get out of the ego side of it and get into the business side of it. Mm -hmm. And I love too how you mentioned that the audience will really care about what you can do for them, right? They don't care about who your friends are. They care about what you can do. And I think that is so important. This is something I really love to share with my community as well is that people will only believe in the value as much as you do. And so you need to be really focused on the value that you are providing for people. And then you also need to be convicted in that value from the inside out. And so it's really important whenever you're, whether it's media, TV, whether you're doing workshops, whether you're speaking on stages, no matter where you're showing up, for you to be really focused on what's in service to my audience, yeah. what's actually going to add value to them in a way that they appreciate and what's the value that, that they're actually seeking. Yeah I, yeah, I was talking to a client earlier today and she's like, well, I'm really focused on local media. And I said to her, why? Is you being on your local Fort Lauderdale ABC station going to do anything for your business? She was like, oh, 
no. And I was like, okay, let's refocus. What's going to do something for your business? Because I we get impressed by the logos. And I have, Alex, I have every logo. Anyone wants to look, I have all of them. Go to my press page. You'll see I have all of them. Is that going to help me make money? A little bit because the, I have the credibility that I've been on those platforms. But depending on what you do and where you are in the marketplace and where you are in your business, it might do nothing. So I want everyone to like take that onus of like, I need a Forbes or I, I don't know why Forbes is this big thing, you know, because a lot of people are, have a Forbes article by somebody who just writes articles for Forbes, but not actually a feature. Like there is a big difference. If you have an, a feature article in Forbes, that's a big deal, right? If you have a column, somebody who writes a column in Forbes covers you, that's amazing too. But going back to it, what is it doing for your business? And is the time that you're spending to do that better for you to be on a podcast where they listen to it and they're going to hear you for 45 minutes or for what half an hour versus you know a hundred words in a magazine mm -hmm. there's a big difference to people understanding you and I think we're coming away from that like the celebrity piece of it and into the like the heart-centered piece of it because I'd rather you I'd rather your people get to know you than see three quotes of yours when someone's writing about you Mm. But you know, but Penny, if you are a seven-figure business owner, I want you in every magazine. Yeah, but if you are, a, you know, multi-six or just starting out, just being on something, because the other side of that is depending on who your audience is. Say, say you work with yoga instructors, they don't know what Forbes means, mm. right? But mm. they know listening to you for half an hour what that means. So understanding what your what the psyche is of your people, and that's why I always say start with asking your people. Mm. Yeah, because you're talking about tapping into what they actually actually need, want, and care about. And I love how you said it's about transitioning into being heart-centered. I You're speaking to my heart. I, I love that. And I do think being of service yeah. is, is what's actually going to be the core foundation for growing your business. That, that service-minded or service, um, what am I trying to say? that service-minded thinking over being in the ego of what's going to pump me up and make me feel like I'm credible. And I, I think there's a real difference between knowing strategically what's going to help with credibility versus I'm pursuing something to make me feel credible so that it actually gives me that like external validation to make me feel better. And that's really actually just, um, more about seeking the approval of something else rather than the validation coming from within you. Yeah. And I think it's important to understand that. Like, there's nothing wrong with a Forbes column. I've been in plenty of them. There's nothing wrong sure. with that at all. But I sure. want you to make sure that that's meaning something to your people. Right. You know, but the other side, like, but it also made me think when you're saying that, like, if you need that to make you, to give you the credibility or give you that umph that's going to help you do other things, then go do that. But not this blind, like, it's something that I need because people say it's true. Right. Not from a should. Right. Like it's actually going to do something. I think so often until we're really set into our business, the intention of strategy isn't there enough when it doesn't come to like creating the marketing. And PR is a part of your marketing. It needs to be a part of your marketing because so often I hear people, they're like, well, you know, I, I spent six months creating my portal. And I'm like, is anyone coming to the portal? Is anyone paying you to get into the portal? Like if no one knows who you are or people say to me like, well, I'm I'm the best kept secret. I'm like, no, you're not. You're the best kept secret? Like, why do you want that moniker? Don't you want to be like the best at what you do? 
but being the best kept secret, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> it makes, sometimes people say stuff and I'm like, you know, it all comes from, you know, I, we can get into it. Like it all comes from our trauma, right? It all comes from whatever we didn't get or whatever happened to us. So I really want people to kind of think about like how, what we actually do is a lot of personal development. Mm-hmm. And when, when you can sit in that you understand that as you're trading this or as you're doing this, you're developing as a person and have that be a part of what you're doing versus this external like push towards it. I think it just makes life easier because I'm not the same person I was when I wrote my cookbook. You're not the same person that you were five years ago. Like that's okay to change. And five years ago, I wanted every logo and that was my intention. I'm just going to get all the logos and when I understood that that wasn't going to make me money, and that's when I started creating the fame formula so that I could make money. Because honestly, I like doing national press. Like, so my, my therapist asked me recently, he's like, well, what's your favorite thing to do? And I was telling him my business, whatever. And then when I was like, well, but I, because I was just on the Sherry Shepard show. And he was like, when you talk about live TV, like your whole body lights up. And I was like, yeah, I need, yeah. Okay. Like, and understanding that that, that's a part of something that my body reacts to. Maybe I'm not being cognizant enough of it. And I'm, but that development of who I am has to be rooted in like what I actually want. And sometimes my body knows that before I know it. Or like you said, it it's heart-centered versus ego-centered. And a lot of times, you know, if our programs aren't getting filled or we don't have enough clients, it's all up in our ego and it's all up in our head. And we have to like kind of drop down into what's going to actually help us do those things. Right. I, I really love how you are bringing in the results piece of it and saying you're looking at your PR as part of your strategy and looking at what is actually going to help grow your business, what's actually going to help serve your clients. And, you know, I'm circling back to to what I'd said a few minutes ago, but I think it can be so um, confusing sometimes when our ego gets involved and we're operating from a place of a should because, well, I feel like I should have this or or I'm doing this because it makes me feel validated it makes me feel like it's good enough because in my personal opinion it will never actually feel like it's enough when it's coming from the outside in versus the inside out and so um I love how you distinguished in your story about talking to your therapist that for you with live tv it's what actually lights you up inside and you and I have talked about that offline recently that this is what what fires you up and that's what I'm all about here is looking at creating a life and business that actually lights you up inside and it's about following your heart and your passions and then yes looking at what's going to get you the desired results and outcomes and letting that be a huge guiding light versus what I feel like I should do to make me feel better about myself or to make me feel like I'm good enough or feel like I'm credible or because other people told me I should or the way we were brought up, like I definitely equated, like if I don't have, if I'm not making X amount of money, I don't have a real business or I'm not being successful if I don't have this much money in my bank account. And and when I finally understood that that was part of my motivation and I let go of that, my business actually did better because mm. I was so like connecting my self-worth to how much money I made that month versus what I created, what I impacted, what I was growing because what we do, and I, I know the audience knows this one. Like what we do is a lot of testing, which is my least favorite word in the world right now is testing, (laughs) right? We test the products, we test the message, we test the social, we test the emails. Like it's all about that testing and it's that rinse and repeat. Um, And we talk about blocks and like, that was one of my money blocks. I didn't, I was like, I don't have money blocks. I did. That was one of my blocks. And I, when I released it is when a lot of things opened up for me so that I can have a business that supports me 
going on TV and doing these things and doing and pitching zero alcohol con uh, segments to you know national TV for me to go beyond. Um, who am I to go do that? I have somebody with an idea. Mm. I can do it. So I, I think that that personal development side of it has really come into focus for me in the last couple of years. That's, I love that you shared that story and that example. Cause like you, you said, I know the audience can relate to this. I 100% know there are listeners and I've talked about this in former solo episodes about that attachment to the outcomes, to the numbers and, and letting that, um, be a verdict, right. Or validate like your worthiness or your success. And, um, of course I see it as our, our numbers are giving us feedback and information of being on track or off track, right? Are we hitting our goals? And, and so it's all, you know, based in cause and effect, right? It's all information and it's never a dictation of your worthiness of your value, you know, inherently. And so the more we can release attachment to that and instead focus on getting creative and exploring what does light me up inside? How can I serve my audience? How can I be a value to people? How can I use my gifts and talents in ways that feel good and, and light me up? That's what's going to get you so much closer to your, well, I'll say that's what's going to get you closer to success while also enjoying the journey versus just reaching success from like grinding it out and and burning out. And burning not out. Getting, we, we've all seen those people that give up their seven figure businesses because they just can't handle it because it's just too much and it doesn't make them happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said to me recently, like what's coming out going on in your business right now is what you did six months ago. And mm-hmm. that was really enlightening for me too, because I was like, oh, like if I'm not getting the numbers now, what did I do? six months ago, that's not allowing that to happen. So instead of thinking like, what do I need to do this week to make this happen? It's like, no, it's that longer plan that I think takes a lot of the pressure off. And then it's just about being consistent, which is, I know a lot of problems for a lot of people, but um, and that's one of the things that I really do with my clients within, within the fame formula is a system of consistency. Mm-hmm. Because when you're consistent and you do that for eight months, your business changes, you change. And then you're able to make the impact or or grow whatever. Like from a big thing for me to um, was that I wanted to pay for college in cash. My two kids are in college. I've been preparing for them to go to college within my business. I started my business in 2007. It's been a goal for mine from 2007 to be able to pay for college in cash. And I've been able to do that. But that's because I had to create the, the structures, the flow, the formula and have the right people in my business. And so not only my team, but supporting me in my business so that I can do all those things and I can screw up and I know that I'm safe screwing up and I can make mistakes. Like I have this masterclass coming up. I changed the name of the masterclass the morning we launched it after we launched it. Oh, wow. Cause I realized afterwards I was like, Oh, that's a trademark name. Why didn't I, it was on. And it was my fault. It was my list. I didn't check it. You know, I always check for trademarks because otherwise sometimes you can get in trouble. And I've gotten cease and desist letters over the years. So I'm very cognizant of it, but you know, and I, and I was able to change it without beating myself up and without being crazy about it. And my team was able to pivot and understand what they had to get done. And, you know, going into all the emails and changing it and going into Flowdesk and going, I mean, going to Zapier and Zoom and all this stuff. And they just roll with it instead of me making it mean something. You know, one of the things that I think, differentiates people like you and I is that we understand story, meaning the stories that we create for ourselves that make us stop. Because what what you went through changes you. I'm sure you're not the person that you were before you were sick and oh, yeah. you were sick, right? 
And, mm-hmm. and I, I talk to a lot of people and I think you're this way too, just cause I know you, like when people, when I meet people, I'm like, oh, I see the story. Mm-hmm. So I just want to give this like clarity to people. Like you can make anything mean anything, right? If Alex didn't ask me to be on her podcast or when I applied, I don't remember how we did it, but when I, when I, if I applied to be on Alex's podcast and she said, she didn't get back to me, what does that mean? Alex thinks I'm suck. I must be a stupid. She doesn't like me. My business sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. Or I can say, Alex didn't get back to me yet. Or Alex didn't, I'm not on the podcast. Like it doesn't mean anything. Or I made this mistake of not checking the trademark for the name. I'm an idiot. I'm a bad leader. I have a bad business. But instead of making it mean something, this is what happened, right? There's two sides of the story and the truth. What happened is I picked a name. I didn't make a check. I had to change it. And it's changed. And honestly, no one's going to notice. And if anyone notices, I will let you know, because I don't think anyone's going to (laughs) notice. But when we can, when we can, because we're talking a lot about like ego and heart and understanding what we're about. I think that story piece of it is what helps us get through all of it. And when we can understand what the stories are that we're making up about ourselves and about our business, and we can kind of put that aside and just be like, okay, this is what's actually happening. I think we'll all be a lot happier because what we've chosen to do for a living is really difficult. Like, I don't want anyone to think that this stuff is easy. Even if you see those ads that say six figures in six months, which are scams, but we haven't chosen something easy. So for me and my clients and the people that are in my community to make it easier for ourselves, we really work on that what we stand for, what's not going to get in our way and how we can create the story to be what we want it to be as our outcome and not anything else. Hmm. That's so good, Beth. I'm, I'm thrilled that you talked about the stories we tell ourselves and because the mindset piece, it's, it's so huge. And I actually, so I'll say, I, I see it just a little bit slightly differently in terms of the words I use in that, um, well, I'll say this. It's not easy. I believe it can have a lot more ease when we remove the stories, when we remove the fear of making mistakes. And I do believe that making significant quantum leaps is, is very possible. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it. I know peers, clients who have, and I know you've created an incredibly successful business and career. And so I always encourage the, the entrepreneurs I come across that your desires, they're here and available for you. And it doesn't have to be so difficult. It doesn't always have to be such a grind. And what makes it more ease-filled is stepping into discomfort. So I always say it's uncomfortable, but it can be easy or easier or more ease-filled when you're willing to embrace discomfort and when you're willing to let go of the judgment and the stories. Right. Oh, I might steal that from you. I will give you credit. But I, <laughs> but I like that a lot. Like, you know, I had plenty of people say to me, you're not a bartender. Like, you're not a chef. Like, who are you to make a cocktail book? And my response was, it's a good effing idea. Mm. Oh, I, I, just, I just knew it was a good idea because I would tell people and they'd be like, oh my God, I would do that. Or I'm like, yes, can I, can I be a taste tester? So getting feedback from the people in your community that are going to tell you no, I think it's a good thing. Because the answer, the way that you think about it, the story that you create around that, yeah, you know, like whatever it's going to be. And I like that piece of it. Like, let's be uncomfortable about it. Let's be uncomfortable about our dreams. Like there, I have a TV concept that I'm working on. It's really freaking uncomfortable. And I've been working at it and I've hit doors and I thought I made it and it got taken away, you know, stupid strikes and all the stuff. But it's, 
I know that this is something that's going to happen because it's my story that it's going to happen. And if you don't have faith in what you want the outcome to be, this is really uncomfortable. I'm going to say that instead of not easy, but it's really uncomfortable, but it's really doable. Like um, I was scrolling Facebook last night and uh, Jenna Kutcher ad Mm -hmm. popped up and it says like, if you have a cell phone and a voice, I think it's what it says, something like that. If you have a cell phone and a computer or voice, like you can do this. And it's really simplified, but I think it's really true. It's more than that though. If you have a computer and a cell phone and you have an idea that you can stand on, then you can do this. Mm-hmm. But I want to discourage people who are already telling themselves they can't. And I know that's not popular. And I know that you might not agree with me, but I really, it pains me to see people that have been in this business with me for the last 15 years that are still not getting anywhere, that I still see spinning their wheels and I see coaches lying to them Mm -hmm. and then not having honest conversations with themselves because not everybody is meant to be the leader of a company, right? Not everyone is is meant to be a founder. We need people. I, I have amazing people that are on my team, amazing people that are on my team that know that they didn't want to be the, the leader. They wanted to support a leader and that's okay. And I think there's a lot of shame in our industry about wanting to support somebody rather than being the leader. Mm. And I think that depending on where you are in your life, you know, if you're 30, if you're 40 or 50, like it's different chapters and you're allowed to change where you are, but I think it's okay to understand who you are and what your strengths are. And those can change because I, I've been in, I've been in rooms where I'm seeing women sign up for programs or sign up for things that I know is not going to work for them. And it's just about money for those people. And I, and I, something happened recently where I saw that those people kind of doing that again, and it, it just makes me mad. Mm. So it's not that I'm trying to discourage anybody or tell them they can't do it, but I want that honest conversation with yourself that what kind of, what kind of trajectory do I want in this business? And where do I find myself in this business? And then being really honest with yourself about who you are and what you can do. I'm a big therapy person. I'm a big like tell your friends, have those honest conversations. My husband always says to me, do you need to tell everybody what you think? And I was like, well, sort of, I kind of (laughs) do like whatever I'm dealing with, because there's so many placements in these people. Like I took, it probably took me two years to find my, my, my team member that really made a difference in my business. Mm -hmm. And the one before that she had tried for years to be the founder of a company and it just never worked for her. Um, she she actually had three kids and ended up not working and being home with the kids. And she she got that opportunity, which I'm so happy for. I was very upset, but I'm very happy for her that she got that opportunity. But she said to me um, when she finally like kind of settled into the role, she was like, this is what I was meant to do. She's like, if I had known that I was meant to work with somebody like you to, to still get to a common goal and not feel like I had to be the person out in front or the person making all, you know, the person that was the founder, I would have been happier and I would have made more money and I would have done this probably longer than mm-hmm. I'm doing it now. Because I think it's a conversation we're not having. And I think it's an important conversation because sometimes I don't want to be the founder, right? Sometimes I don't want to be the person out in front, but I also know where my strengths are. And I've been doing this for a long time. If somebody had said to me 15 years ago, like there's all placement here. Like you don't need to, you can be in all these things. I sometimes feel like working in somebody else's community to understand how this all works before you go do that 
is actually a better trajectory than kind of coming out of the gate to create something. Because it's like, you go to college to learn something, right? Why can't you go to go work with somebody's company to learn something, to learn how to do this or take five years and $30,000 working with coaches and trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I just want, I, I feel like, not that I need to give permission to people to do that, but it's so on my heart lately that like there's a lot of ways to do this versus the ways that are only marketed to people to do this. Yeah. I know it's kind of left field, Alex, but it's, I don't know why it just came up for me. No, I'm, gl I'm glad you shared what's coming up. And, you know, you said it's might be an unpopular opinion, but as you were saying it, I thought, no, what I, I have the same frustrations with certain things in our industry that I see so commonly where people will just sign anyone into a program, you know, to make the sale. Right. And, and I personally, my belief is that we are all capable of achieving whatever our desires are. I really believe in the universal law of polarity that if you have a desire, the ability to make it happen is here and available, not always on our timeline, but it's here and available. So I believe that we're all capable, but I think what you said that's so important, and I wanna stress this for the audience, is that it's about getting honest with yourself about what you actually really want. And what I see is a lot of people signing up that aren't actually willing to get uncomfortable they're not they're not willing to do what it takes because they don't actually really want it because in my opinion you only actually want it if you're willing to do what it takes to get it and that means that you really truly want it there's a difference between an ideal oh that would be nice to run a business that'd be nice to be my own boss sure i'm, I'm sure most people have that as an ideal yeah it'd be great to be my own boss but do i actually really want it because when i actually really want it i'm willing to do the things to make it happen so I think it's about looking at what are you most suited for? Like, what are your gifts, your talents? And, and I believe we all can change and evolve. You know, I had a boss actually in my past life when I was working at a nonprofit, you know, I had a boss once tell me that I was a great behind the scenes person, but that I wasn't entrepreneurial because I was so detail oriented and really detail oriented people are really great at being like the VPs or the seconds in command or the behind the scenes. And at the time, I remember when he said that, I was really activated inside because I thought, I, I started my own business. It was still a side hustle at the time, but I started my own business. I love leading. I, I love, you know, I want to run my own company. Um, so I think sometimes we can pigeonhole people, but it's really about, or so I believe there were things I had to learn and, and grow in to get to where I am for sure. But it was about what I really desired. I really wanted to be a coach. I wanted to run my own business. I wanted to be in leadership. So anyway, I think it's an important conversation and I wish we had another hour to go deeper into it because I feel like we could get into all the a whole different conversations. But I yeah. feel like I I know that my team wish I was more detail oriented. So I give, <laughs> that's not something that I am. Very, I'm not very detail oriented. I'm, I'm a visionary. I'm a big picture person. Um, but I do think that People who will work with me get to see inside my business. And I do I do have a piece of my program showing them what I'm doing. And I tell them what's going on so that they can understand and learn what a what having a big business, a big successful business is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Because it's not what ma mar marketing and advertising is telling us. And I, I it's, it's bothering me lately. You know, Alex, I didn't understand how much it's bothering me because now I'm getting hot. Like, honestly, I am because it's something that I keep seeing. Um, and I've just talked to too many women have spent too much money and gotten nothing. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's, you know, and, it, yeah. it's, and people that I love that don't take my advice. So if you're listening and I love you, you should take my advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a great um, circling back to the beginning of the conversation because 
you know, you're getting angry about this, you're feeling yourself get hot. Well, anger and passion are on the same neural pathway. And so our anger is often illuminating what we're passionate about. And so as you're leaning into this, it's, um, you know, circling back to what you said around focusing on the results and doing things that, you know, are actually going to, to help you get results and also using what you're really passionate about to, um, to support people in getting clear, right. On, on what they really want and then how they can, how they can get it. Um, so I, I'm thrilled that the conversation went here, Beth, and, um, I, I love getting into these juicy topics. So we'll have to continue with that conversation. I definitely want to hear more. Um, but for now, as, as we're getting to the end of our time together here, I would love for you to share with the listeners, even though they've heard throughout the episode about different ways you work with people and help them, um, which was such a beautiful illustration of how to do that in a podcast. Um, but why don't you share with them about how they can stay connected with you and learn more from you? Oh, I'd love everyone. Go to Instagram. It's uh, at Beth Nidick. Hit that like button. Check out my link in bio. Um, but I always say to on my on my podcast, DM me. Let me know what you liked what I said. Let me know if you hated what I said. Tell me that, you know, tell me your opinions. And I just hope that I made you feel just a little something. Mm. Well, I love that you stood for something today, stood for multiple things today, Beth. So I loved the Jersey love and appreciate you bringing it here and sharing it with the audience. And I do encourage everyone follow Beth. She's got amazing content on Instagram and incredible masterclasses. And um, she really knows what she's talking about with visibility and PR. So I encourage everyone to follow her. And then of course, make sure you join us next time for the next episode of Igniting Ecstasy in Business. Thank you, Beth, so much for joining me. And thank you to all our listeners for spending your time with us today. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Igniting Ecstasy in Business. If you enjoy what you heard and you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. I love to hear your feedback, your insights, questions, or any desired topic requests. You can also reach me directly through the contact page at alexpurseglove.com. I so appreciate you spending your time here with me today. And until next time, I'm wishing you a beautiful day of focusing on what lights you up inside.